Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On December 23, 2017, Sean Antle left Urichville, Ohio, traveling down Route 250, headed to his girlfriend's house to pick her up in Cadiz, Ohio. He was last seen in the 41,000 block of Cadiz Denison Road. He was traveling with his friend and his friend's sister. They let him out of the car, and he was never seen again. You are listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Sean Antill. You said the, you said his name, and then his name. You're like Sean Antill got out of the car. We're bringing the case of Sean Antill. <laughs> Sean Antill. <laughs> Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist, scary, scurry, furry, unfinished <laughs> basement. Definitely in Georgia, so it's getting that time of year. It's another micro brew with, I mean, shitload of questions. You just basic. I mean, the intro basically was the whole thing. It's so fucking strange. This is a user user. This is a listener requested, and he states that it did not get hardly any attention in Ohio. And knowing a couple of podcasters from Ohio, they've not done this case either, but there's not a whole lot out there on it. Yeah, because they don't do many brews. I mean, honestly, there's, <laughs> no, there's You're nothing right. there's to not, this. There's nothing. It's very hard to find anything on this case. Yeah. So Sean was 24 years old, and he was around five foot three, weighing about 120 pounds. He was last seen wearing a hooded sweatshirt, bluish gray beanie slash toboggan if you're from the south and a black and white Nike Air Jordans. He was traveling to see his children, who were ages two and four, to spend Christmas with him. He was riding with Preston Yates and his sister, Louise Yates, who was in the car with Sean. And as we stated, in the opening, they let him out of the car. And the reason they let him out of the car is because they state that his behavior changes around 7 p.m. on December 23rd. He's extremely paranoid that the police are after them, that the police are actually behind them. But if that's true, why get out of the car? Yeah, I don't understand that either. If the police are after you, why get out of the car? Now, it's reported that Sean was under the influence of drugs and alcohol that evening. That'll definitely make you paranoid. Yeah. And Preston Yates states that when he pulls the car over, Sean exit or Sean gets out of the car, of course, but he gets out of the car and tries to calm Sean down. He said that Sean took off on foot, headed toward the town of Cadiz. Well, now, was he running or was he just walking? walking what he just they walked. And just they, started walking. They left him. That's what the story is at the beginning they left him. yes mm-hmm. now the distance from where he supposedly was put out on the side of the road 
to his girlfriend's house is approximately four miles. And people are saying at that time, wintertime, it would have taken him approximately one and a half hours to walk. Well, was there snow on the ground, I'm guessing? I guess so. That's the only thing that would take it because I yeah. could cover a mile just, in yeah, just under 20 minutes. Yeah, just because it's cold, yeah. you would think you'd be moving faster because yeah. it's cold. But they said the reason that they put that one and a half hour timeline out there is that he would um, he was under the influence and so he may be staggering, which that's not what is reported. If he did not walk in the direction of Cadiz, he would have set out into the wilderness around him. Mm-hmm. And the area where he was at is around, or where he got out of the vehicle was around Tappan Lake Park, and it's very sparsely populated. The lake itself takes up 2,350 acres, and the park encompasses around 5,000 total acres. Mm-hmm. To what you were talking about, the temperature on December twenty third was thirty one degrees. I mean, that's cold for sure, but that's not. I mean, that's not un- undoable. I mean, you know. well, and it's like everything else. You know, we're kind of acclimated to the heat down here when it comes summertime, and I'm sure they're thinking thirty one. I don't need anything other yeah, than a probably, beanie and a sweatshirt. Well, they probably, I mean, they, that's probably shorts weather up there. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I know we know a guy that. Jumped into a pool in upstate New York when it was 58 degrees outside. I don't know this person. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody from upstate New York. The Hachimino. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, so, don't, he don't count. Yeah, he, he's a yank. <laughs> so, Sean met Mr. Preston Yates at a halfway house in Canton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And they had only known each other for approximately two weeks before Sean goes poof. Hmm. Interesting. It has been reported that Preston and Sean did meth on the night that Sean disappeared. I don't know much about meth, but I'm pretty sure it can cause paranoia. Yeah. I've heard things. And on top of it, them doing that meth, it was Sean's first time doing meth. Oh. How do we know that? Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. Sean's aunt, Julie, did an interview with Kelly from Missing in Ohio podcast. Nice. Yes. And there's a lot of things in that episode. And shout out to Kelly from Missing in Ohio. She does a great job. You're very much limited, though. I mean, I'm sure there's, I mean, not limited on, probably not limited on um, topics, but limited on your um, clientele. Yes. Listeners. Yes. <laughs> yes. As it took me nine minutes to, <laughs> to state that. So Preston, Louise, and Louise's child were actually in the car taking Sean to pick up his girlfriend's car. According to those people, Sean became belligerent. And they state that they were afraid for the child, so they put Sean out on the side of Coal Trap Road. So this is story number two as to why he was had exited the vehicle. It's... Preston would go on to tell yet another version to the Harris County Sheriff's officers about that evening. And he states that Sean called him from a McDonald's in Cadiz and asked Preston to pick him up there. When Preston arrived, Sean jumped in the car and told Preston to drive because she's coming, quote. According to Preston, 
They were in a high-speed chase from unknown people out Route 9 up to Barker Road and Coal Trap Road at that intersection of Coal Trap and Barker. This is where Preston's car supposedly gets stuck under a gate. Both Preston and Sean exit the vehicle and run to a large tree supposedly hiding from headlights that were coming up over the hill as they exited the vehicle. What? Preston would then go on to state that Sean took off to the left and Preston ran to the right and they didn't see Sean again. Hmm. But Preston's not done. Okay. Preston has another story. Okay. I think he's one of them old storytellers. Well, Preston tells Sean's Aunt Julie that he dropped Sean off and turned around and saw Sean walking up the road. Now, the road in question is shaped like a horseshoe, so there was no reason for him to turn around. He could have just kept on going and come out at the same spot. Okay. Why the different stories, though? That's the million-dollar question. Preston contacts Sean's family the next day and tells them to file a missing person report. Not, have you seen Sean? Has anyone heard from Sean? Nothing. He just calls them out of the blue and says, you need to file a missing person report. Hmm. He never states that he tried to call Sean's cell phone. If me and you, if you call me and say, come get me at a McDonald's, and as I pick you up, you jump in the car and go, get on it, she's coming, well, I'm going to get on it. Yeah, I'm just going to, I'll take you at face value and then. And then as I'm getting on it, I'm going to be asking you a hundred questions. Who the fuck is she? And why? And why am I tearing ass out of here? And where am I going? Yeah. And do they have friends and do those friends have guns? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's a great question. These are all, those are all very important questions. And let's just go one further. If we happen to get my vehicle stuck under a gate and we exit said vehicle on foot, and we get separated, I'm going to call your ass in a couple of hours on your cell phone, or at the very least, I'm going to text you. Yeah, at the very least. And then if I'm going to contact your wife the next day, I'll be like, hey, is Arlo all right? Or I'm not going to say, hey, follow me in person's report. That's very suspect. Extremely suspect. Now, I don't know this person. I don't know Mr. Yates. I don't know his character. I'm just saying, if I was involved in an investigation, I would definitely be looking at him. I would focus that beam very tightly on him. But here's whatever happened to Sean, he's gone. He's not been seen again. Ever. It's been three years. There's not been one credible sighting of this man. Now, his sister, Preston's sister, not Sean's, Preston's sister, Louise, would write an affidavit stating that Sean was in the car that night. Uh-huh. She would then come back to the police station the next day and retract that statement. Uh-huh. And when pressed, the police say, we can't do anything about someone retracting a sworn affidavit statement. Again, odd behavior. Yes, very. So the area in which Sean supposedly got out of the car is owned by the city 
but is rented out to a local farmer, kind of subleasing pasture land is what I yeah. gained from the article that I read. Not a, not a uncommon no. thing. Now, the farmer in question has given the family of Sean permission to search that area at any time. The only stipulation is they can't bring vehicles onto the property. And I'm thinking, and that's what leads me to, this is a subleased, maybe an agricultural farm, like hay field, and he doesn't want it rutted up, or it may yeah. be he's row cropping or whatever. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, completely reasonable. Now, at the time of the Missing in Ohio podcast, supposedly there were never any search dogs dispatched to that area. Behind the gate that the no, car... That's kind of strange. Yeah. Behind the gate that the car supposedly got stuck at is an active mine. I do not know what they're mining up there, but it is an active mine. And they dynamite almost daily, according to residents. Hmm. The mine owners have a reclamation order to put the land back as close as they found it when they began mining, which means that if something is not done and they label that a search area, within a couple of years, there's going to be bulldozers, more dynamite collapsing mines, and that, if Sean is, if his body is in that area, he probably will never be found. Yeah. Now, this is not my opinion. This is not the opinion of Missing in Ohio podcast. This is Sean's aunt's opinion, Julie. She believes that Preston put Sean in the mine. And she states that Sean and Preston were already in trouble for breaking and entering at the Rosebud Mining Company on December the 10th. Hmm. Her thinking is that if Sean was found in a mine, it would not be a red flag since he was already caught stealing from another mine. The reasoning is that Harrison County only knew Sean was involved in the B&E due to him dropping his phone in the commission of the crime. They, are una they were unaware of Preston being at the scene at the time of the crime. Julie believes that Preston thought Sean was going to impl implement him as an accomplice because he was going to turn himself in after he spelt, spent Christmas with his kids. Oh, so that's motive. Yes. And Sean also wrecked Preston's car before the two committed the breaking and entering. Sean had told Preston that he was going to turn himself in after seeing his sons on Christmas Day. And that is motive enough to make someone disappear. Well, why is this? Why is this case not solved then? That's, well, that sounds like case closed. Oh, me. that's me too. And my thing is, did Preston think Sean was going to roll over on him? I, I think there's. It would have been easily, you know, it would have been easily just stick his goofy ass in an interrogation room let's get to the bottom of it yeah i mean it sounds like something that should have been done yeah was it not done i don't believe it has now it has come to light that sean or sean's phone dialed the harrison county police or sheriff's office on the night of his disappearance and there is a 17 seconds 
of silence. Hmm. A Lieutenant Toker did speak. <laughs> I know. That's like, <laughs> he's like, why well, I always get popped for the random drug test? I don't know, Toker. Lieutenant Toker did speak to Missing in Ohio's host about the case. He did state that there have been searches done in the area of Sean's last reported sighting. And he went on to say that the night in question, Preston drove Sean to the McDonald's in Cadiz so that Sean could use their Wi-Fi to make a call to his girlfriend's mom to make sure the car was still available for him to use. This was confirmed by Sean's phone records, according to Lieutenant Toker. The pair then left McDonald's under the effects of meth and passed what they thought was a police car. They freaked out and wrecked Preston's car into the gate that leads to the mine. Lieutenant Toker stated that Sean's phone did in fact call the office and there was no one speaking except for the dispatcher asking if there is an emergency, etc. He stated this phone call did not occur on the night Sean went missing. It actually occurred three days prior on December the 20th. Hmm. Now, several people have been brought into the Harrison County Sheriff's Office for polygraph tests. Sean was found deceptive on one of three questions that he was asked. Those questions, however, have never been divulged. According to Sean's aunt, Julie, when they delivered Preston to Harris County Sheriff's Office, and this is kind of an odd statement here, but it sounds like Somehow, Julie is with Preston and his sister, and Preston's going to turn himself in. Julie says that he, Preston, turns and looks at Julie and says, I'm going to do time for this breaking and entering, but I'm not going to do time for Sean Antill, and smirked and said, Sean who? Hmm. So... It seems pretty obvious that uh, Mr. Preston knows a lot more than knows a lot more than he's saying. Now, a news article states that the Harris, Harrison County Detective Lieutenant Toker, his first name is Robert, Bob? is yeah Bob, Bob Toker. Toker. He is the lead investigator on the case, and he said that he did not receive a missing persons report until seven days later. The article goes on to state that there's just so many questions and no answers. One question the family has is, once this vehicle hit the gate, it's Preston Yates that reported to us that they both got out and fled on foot. Hmm. How was it that Preston was able to make it to Cadiz where he was picked up by his sister? So again, I think this all centers around Preston Yates and his sister. And whatever went on during that night in that car. But, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, that's it. There's not any more facts out there. It's very, very strange. So, if Mr. Yates is telling the truth, it's a very strange... um horrifying horrifyingly strange case the guy had paranoid got out of the car ran away and never seen again 
Not a sign, not a clothing, scrap, nothing. Cell phone, nothing. And it sounds like authorities have his phone records, but I don't know if they've tried to see where it last pinged or but the way that the area is described it's very rural and so it would it may be pinging off just that one tower in the nearest town mm-hmm. so again i mean there's not a whole lot out there and there's not been a whole lot out there unfortunately preston's sitting in jail because of the bne and I don't know if they can't get any leverage on him or if they're working an angle. Or, Minnie says, he may have been abducted by aliens. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that if, if, if Yates isn't involved, that's it, as good a theory as any. Well, I think the theory, the main, well, not the main theory, I think his aunt's theory that he put him in a mine makes the most sense since there's no nothing out there about him. What is kind of odd is the search dog thing. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why no search dogs? Even cadaver dogs, you know, shut the mine down for about two hours, let them run through there and see what they find. Yeah. But that's basically the case. Yeah, they definitely. We definitely need more information. So if you're in that area, and yes. you have information, please share it with local law enforcement. Yes, please, Lieutenant Robert Toker of the Harrison County Police would love for you to <laughs> not make fun of his name. Yes, <laughs> but that's uh, the case of Sean Antill. Very, very odd. Very yeah. short, but very odd. And sometimes, man, like these these micro brews, I'm sure, are kind of frustrating to our listeners because they're kind of frustrating to us because we can't offer any more information because we can't find shit. It is important. These little micro brews are important to get the information out there. So maybe eventually. Something will come to light, and these cases can be solved. I mean, that's why we do these little ones. Though, though there's not a lot of information, they're still vitally important. And this, this, this man's still missing. And if you're interested in this case, please check out Missing in Ohio, the Sean Antill. It's one of the first couple of episodes, I think. I can't remember the exact episode number, but uh, the host actually interviews his aunt, and it's pretty informative. Gives you a little bit of backstory into who Sean actually was and how it sounded like at the time of his disappearance. He was trying to make things right. He was just going to spend Christmas with his kids and turn himself in, mm-hmm. you know, face the music on that B&E. And I don't know. I think it's odd that he put his trust in someone that he met just two weeks prior at a halfway house. But who am I? <laughs> just Arlo. Well, coach. I mean, I wish we could get more. I wish we could talk more about it. I mean, but there's just nothing out there. There's not. So. But again, if you have anything, please contact the Harrison County Sheriff's Department and they will put you in touch with Lieutenant Toker. <laughs> I, 
I don't know. Every why, time. I don't know. Every t- like, I think I may just bring that up in future episodes. I don't know why. Toker. But just this officer Toker, detective Toker, just makes me laugh for some reason. So, All right, boys and girls. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>